um, Luke chapter 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch us and anoint us May we recognize the time of your coming to us. May we recognize your visitation. May we hear the things that you want to say that will bring life today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I just uh, finished doing a play in Nashville, so maybe this is kind of what got me thinking in these terms. But as I read this passage, it seemed to me that it sort of neatly broke into three acts. And so today... The coming of God in three acts. And act one is crazy obedience. Because that's what takes place in act one. Now let's say, for example, that you were riding with me to Nashville. And we were going into Nashville and I'm your pastor and you're my disciples. And, uh, and we get out to Sam Ridley, we get out to I-24, I pull over and I go, <clears throat> okay, it's really not going to be proper for me to drive my Nissan Sentra into town today. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go on up to Hickory Hollow, get off there, go to the Burger King, and in the parking lot, you will find a BMW convertible. And... <laughs> And when you find this BMW convertible, I want you to, um, you need to uh, hotwire it and bring it back to me because I, I need to 
be riding into town on this uh, <laughs> open-air BMW convertible. And if anyone asks you why you are taking the BMW convertible, just simply tell them that the Lord needs it and uh, we'll return it. You with me? Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you're just saying that. But I mean, if we really did that, yeah. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy for somebody. Yet that's literally what Jesus. I know Adam's down there smiling. He's a metro policeman. It's, it's so. What you're thinking is that if there's a BMW convertible at the Burger King in Hickory Hollow, it's probably already been hot wired. And, and so. <laughs> yeah. So why could these guys do this? I mean, this is a valuable thing he's sending them to, to, to get. And if anybody goes, why are you taking it? They're supposed to go, well, the Lord needs it. That's crazy. It really is. But I got to thinking about maybe why these guys were able to do that. Because you see, uh, <laughs> uh, and true, Jesus was God, and, and certainly I'm not. But in the eyes of a lot of people, Jesus was a, was a vagabond, unemployed guy who just went around stirring up trouble. Yeah. I mean, not everybody was buying into this Jesus is God business at this point. Yet these guys were able to do it. And maybe the reason why they were able to do it was because uh, there had been another time that Jesus had handed them five loaves of bread and two loaves of fish and said, go feed these 5,000 people. And they did. And there had been another time that they were on a boat and, and the storm came up and it looked like they were going to sink and they were afraid they were all going to die. And they woke Jesus up and he stood up and looked at the storm and said, stop. And it did. And there had, uh, there had been times that they had seen blind eyes open. And there, Jesus actually had sent them out to cast out demons and heal the sick. And guess what? Demons left and the sick got well. This kind of confidence comes by walking with Jesus over a period of time. Now, you know, some of us, when we first get saved, you know, we're, on, we're, we're lit up. We're on fire because uh, there's just been this remarkable turnaround and there's this exuberance in our life. And so we've got, this, we've got this brief little period of time. We've got this window when whatever he says, you know, yes, sir, you know, we leap tall buildings at a single bound, just do anything that, that, that he asks us to do. But... Normally, after a brief period of time, we begin to feel the earth beneath our feet again. And the only way to really get to where you're really will able to do this kind of obedience is to spend time walking with him day after day after day. And you go, well, I've done that, but I hadn't seen any miracles. No, you haven't been walking with him. You've just been living. Because if you're walking with him, you see miracles all the time. You see, you see crazy stuff happen all the time when you're, when you're walking with him. And, that, and that's what these guys, that's what these guys had done. And that's, you know, that's what we can do. And, you know, he still asks us to do crazy stuff sometimes. And it's not, not it, sometimes it doesn't seem overtly crazy, but we just dismiss it anyway. 
I'll get there in a second. All right, if the disciples had to do something crazy, imagine the owners of the colt, the owners of the donkey. I mean, if it took obedience to go get it, it sure took obedience to have some strangers come up and start hot-wiring hot your, your donkey and begin to take it off. And you, you say, well, why are you doing that with my donkey? And they say, the stranger says, the Lord needs it and will bring it back. And you go, okay. <laughs> Could you do that? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be tough. I mean, most of us would think it's absurd to release something so valuable to a stranger who just simply said the Lord needs it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, anyone who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Uh, let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to receive a prophet than it is to be one. And if anyone gives even a, a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple I tell you the truth he will not lose his reward and those opportunities still come along and they came along frequently in the Bible uh, very quickly I'll, I'll just touch on two or three of them over in Genesis chapter I believe it's 24 Genesis chapter 24 Abraham is needing a son uh, uh, well, he's got a son he's needing a wife for his son Isaac and he, and he tells his servant, he says, don't get a wife for Isaac from among the girls who live around here. Go back to my family, go back to my father's household, and find a wife for her there. And so he makes the trip. He's back in Haran, and when he gets there, he's at the well outside the city, and he's thirsty, and he's got his camels and everything, and he says, Lord, here's how I'll know. When the, gal, when the girls, the, the young girls, the... the come out to draw water and I ask one of them to give me a drink the one who says here you can have a drink and I'll water your camels too let that be the one and so here comes Rebecca you know the story and and he says to her will you give me a drink of water and she goes yeah I'll give you a drink of water and uh, your camels must be thirsty as well I'll water them also and he didn't immediately go yay it's you no she had to water them all and once she had actually done it, then he put gold bands on her arms and gave her gold jewelry and said, you're the answer to God's prayers. And literally, literally what happened was she not only married a pretty rich husband, uh, but she became the, the mother of Jacob, whose name got changed to, I think it was Israel. Uh, so she became the mother of a, of a nation, if you will. And she became in the line of Messiah. And here we are, gee, over 3,000 years later, talking about her because she watered some camels. Because you know what? If she hadn't of, we wouldn't know anything about her. During the time of Elijah, over in 1 Kings chapter 17, he uh, called for a drought in the land, and for three years it didn't rain. And so three whole years, the water begins to run out, the food begins to run out, and the Lord sends him to uh, Zarephath, to the village of Zarephath. And when he, when he gets there, he's, he's hungry, and he sees this woman. She's out in front of the village. She's gathering some sticks to 
make a little fire and she's obviously going to cook something and he says uh, would you give me something to eat and she says well you don't understand you see i'm a widow i've got a son and all we've got is enough food for one more meal and i'm going to go home and cook this meal and then we're going to die and that's you know that is beyond our comprehension because we don't live in that kind of world much of the world's population still lives in that kind of world so put yourself in in her position and elijah says okay do that make yourself a meal but before you do make make me a little something make make me a cake let me let me have some of your meal first and the lord will take care of things stranger comes up to her give me give me first of the last that you've got and the lord will take care of things do you can you do that i mean when somebody comes up to you yeah of course you could but would we and so she she but she did and not only did she make a little cake for him and give it to him and then she and her son ate and then they ate again and then they ate again and they ate again because the Lord took care of things and the oil didn't run out and the meal didn't run out but uh, we don't know exactly how long it was but sometime later her son dies you see it's not always real easy and it's not always real easy going and when her son dies she comes to Elijah and goes man of God did you come here to remind me of my sin is that why my son is dead I mean we always freak out when somebody dies it's it's all about you know somebody did something or we did something but that's not always the case you know uh, not only did they get fed the whole time but the Lord anointed Elijah and her son got raised from the dead Woo! because she made a cake when somebody asked her to and gave it to him it, it's remarkable and, and Simon Peter you know he's he comes in from fishing and he's tired and G, and Jesus comes along I got a feeling you must already know Jesus because Jesus climbed in his boat and said get out there a little bit I need to teach for a while so he let him teach from his boat and then after he got through teaching he said now let's go fish and you know the story Peter said Lord I've been fishing all night there aren't any fish out there but because you say so I'll go out there and we'll we'll try it again and they went out and they let the nets down and so many fish got caught they had to call another boat and both boats started sinking because there were so many stinking fish in their boat that they had caught and everything but the real the real thing that happened wasn't that they caught a bunch of fish the real thing that happened was Peter falls to his knees and goes Lord I'm a sinful man depart from me and Jesus goes no you don't understand yeah yeah you're a sinful man I get it I understand all that but you're the kind of guy who when he's tired and when he wants to go home and go to sleep and when he knows better will listen to somebody who isn't even a fisherman and go out and fish because I said so you don't have to fish anymore Peter I'm just gonna make you one of the greatest people who has ever lived on the face of the earth folks will talk about you for over two millenniums if most of the people in the world now knew they were in the presence of Simon Peter, they would be awed. Yeah, and, and because the Lord said so. Simple thing. These opportunities have not ceased existing. They're still there. They still come up. We don't know when the opportunity will come, but if we will be ready and willing the rewards are above anything we can ask or think 
Act two, the shout of praise. Crazy obedience, the shout of praise. People are wired differently. I know that, you know, and, and I understand that not everybody is demonstrative necessarily by nature in the way that they do things. I happen to be one of those people who have overcome my timidness and... <laughs> But it's not always about timidness, uh, you know. The, uh, a contemplative form of, of spirituality is often a lot deeper than the woo-hoo uh, type of spirituality. So I'm certainly not saying that, that that's not important, that, that you don't go there. But the shout of praise is a pretty important thing. <laughs> uh, they joyfully praised God in loud voices. It said, loud, loud voices. We, uh, on Tuesday morning, 6.30, we have the gate, and, and guys come to it. And uh, The way that I really get it started is with what? Let's pull it in, guys. And so, you know, that they, they, they're supposed to put their coffee and their donuts down, but, you know, they, they kind of bring them over to their, to their seats and everything, you know, and it's really hard to go like this with coffee and a donut in your let's say let's pull it in and you know, let's just lift our hands and let's just thank God for who he is there's nothing here but nobody here but us guys let's just let rip and you know and some of us do some of us enjoy it you know what 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 the others are doing uh but it's uh it's really great psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. And I think sometimes people read that and they think that that's a package. So you got, if you can sing and play, then you should also shout. But that's not a package. This is, it's, it's, not, it's not and, it's or. Uh, and it can be and. Yeah. Now, if you're not able, some of you can sing. Some of you cannot sing. And God still loves it. He still loves to hear you sing. He, he loves to hear you do that noise, that thing you do. He, he really likes it. And some can play skillfully. I'm certainly not among those, but some can play skillfully. Everybody in this room can shout. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you got... I told him that the second service would be a lot better at that than the first service was. And you are. But every... I mean, there's nobody in here who, who's not able to do that. To, to some extent. I mean, even if you got laryngitis, you can go. <laughs> Psalm 71, 23, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. There is, I have no business standing before God and saying there's, you should accept me based on who I am and what I've done. And I'm not just talking about the bad old days. I'm talking about, you know, like 15 minutes ago. I, I don't have any business, really. Uh, the only reason that I can is I have been redeemed. And when, when, that's, when that's the truth and you understand that, my lips will shout for joy. When I sing praise to you, I, whom you have redeemed, 
I'm just hitting some of the high points here. Psalm 95, 1, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Now, why are you, you know, why are you bringing this up today? There's a, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of other scriptures that I'm skipping over, but let me just show you one other. It's Psalm 66, 1. And in the, the contemporary English version, it says, tell everyone on this earth to shout praises to God. I figure y'all got, y'all got, I figure you guys, y'all are on this earth, and I have been instructed to tell everybody on the earth to shout praises to God. So, shout praises to God, y'all. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Let me tell you something else. Because I know that some people, you know, that's just not their nature. They're, they're, they're quiet by nature or, uh, you know, and that, just don't do that. You know, they don't even, I mean, when Wayne says, if you've got a pulse, do this, you know, they go. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been around some situations. Where that kind of person shouted, my Lord. When that kind of person lets out a shout, every demon in the county and all of their aunts and uncles feel it. I'm serious. There, there's just something that, that just palpably, tangibly moves through the house. Yeah. And, and I'm, so I, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that, you know, you've you got to shout because I just said shout, but be one of these days. Yeah. One of these days, you, Mr. Quiet. Yeah. One of these days, something's going to come up and you're going to go, that feels weird. <laughs> just open your mouth and let it. <sighs> and eternity will reverberate with it. Eternity will feel it. You know, it's a shout of victory. It's what it is. When, when, they, when they marched around Jericho and the walls of Jericho came out, you know, it's kind of like, well, they marched around Jericho and, the, and they marched and they marched and the walls fell down. No, they marched and they marched and nothing happened and they shouted and the walls fell down. That's what happened. And they've been quiet. They were quiet. They, it was the quiet group marching around. But once they shouted, victory, Vic victory came into the camp. When Gideon put his 300 guys together and they went after the, the countless hordes of Midian, <laughs> yeah, they had, they, had, they had a sword and they had a, a, a pitcher and they had a, a torch, but they shouted. When they broke that pitcher and lifted that torch, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, and all their enemies started killing each other. It was a shout. It's a big thing. Now, we're still in Act 2, and they're not the only players in Act 2 because not only are there the shouters, there are the uncomfortable ones. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And there will always be those who criticize expressions of worship. And it's not always about shouting and dancing and moving. Even if that expression of worship is bringing your, your best bottle of perfume and breaking it and pouring it on the Lord's feet. 
There'll be people standing around going, nah, you shouldn't do that. Nah. What a waste. That should have been sold. Money given to the, to the poor. Yeah. But you know what? God will never rebuke someone who is worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Never will. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, whether, whether it's this or whether it's on your knees or, or whether it's quiet contemplation, if it's, if it's coming from there, if it's, if it's real, that's what God wants. That's what God wants. That's what, he's, that's what he's looking for. Be careful. Be careful. Because it's so easy to fall into that group. So easy to fall into that uncomfortable category because I'll tell you what, when real worship happens, their uncomfortableness always is on the edges of it. Every time. Every time. Act 3. Tears for the blind. Jesus wept over their blindness because if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. What is the most valuable thing that you possess? If the most valuable thing that you possess is a thing, then you're, you're not even remotely close to being able to understand what value is. And I know most people don't get excited about a blender. But if it's a house, or if it's a BMW convertible, it'll end up just like the blender. Pile of dust, pile of ashes, nothing there. So most of us are past that. Well, what's the most valuable thing that you have? Maybe, maybe your talent. I mean, that's, that's a valuable thing. God's given you talent. It's, it's, it feels good to use it. It's certainly got worth and value to it but you know what there's some really talented people out there who are really messed up and their lives are really messed up and i'm not just talking about i'm not just talking about you know actors and and singers and athletes you know i'm, I'm talking about you know woodworkers and um salesmen and uh teachers I, you know that what ta what talent people genuinely employing the talent that God has given to them and yet their life is a shambles. Maybe uh, health. Health's a good thing to have. You're sick, you want to be well. It, it, it's, that's just the way that it is. Uh, nobody enjoys being sick. But you know what? There's some people out there. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who, I mean, I mean they're ripped. They're, you know, they got... They got the six-pack and everything, you know. I've got an assault weapon here, actually. But, uh, you know, they, these things should be illegal. But, uh, they've got, they got, they, they're, you know, they're, they're buff, and they can run for miles and miles, and they can do all kinds of and their life's just a mess. And yet there are other people that uh, I'll go visit in the hospital, and their body is broken. But I'll leave them going, wow, why do I feel so much better than I did before? 
and it, you know, it's not because I'm going, well, I'm glad my body's not broken. No, it's because their spirit is so strong and, and there's just life vibrating through the, through the room, no matter what else is going on. That, so health isn't necessarily the, the key, the most valuable thing. Maybe your reputation, that's a valuable thing. A good name is to be preferred more than gold. But you know, your reputation is only what other people think about you. And there are people with excellent reputations whose lives are a mess. But you know what? When you got peace, regardless of what else you do or don't have, your life's in a good place. It's in a good place. And you know what brings peace? Recognizing the visitation and presence of the Lord. That's what brings it. And when you reject the Lord's visit, when you reject the Lord's offer, then you're blinded to what will bring you that. You think it's things. You think it's stuff. You think it's talent. You think it's running the, the marathon. I, I <laughs> saw the greatest bumper sticker the other day. I, I mentioned this. Uh, you know the ones that say uh, 26.2? On them, they got the little things back there. Y'all, um, do y'all live in America? Okay. It's just 26.2. means somebody's run the marathon, and some of them say 13.1. and run the half marathon. I was behind a car the other day. It said 0.0. Yeah, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> when you reject God, you can't even see what will bring you peace. And you must understand... Because Jesus then began to talk about what was going to happen to them. And yes, he was referring to the fall of Jerusalem and, and probably also when the Crusaders came in because that was a, a horrific time for the Jews and, uh, and probably other times as well. But you must understand that shaking will come to every life. Just right under the surface of that nice, little comfortable suburban life there's a sinkhole and it was just what last week before last or was it last week when that sinkhole opened up in florida the guy they never found him uh and sometimes in your life you feel like a sinkhole is opened up i mean it's metaphorical but it's it's just as bad as well and regardless of anything else i mean you know death but when these things happen some are not shaken some crumble and some are not they come to everybody but some are not shaken Barbara Price went home to be with the Lord yesterday last week I was talking about the fact that uh, Pastor Craig Schaub had gone home to be with the Lord and there's a, there's a teaching that has sort of weaseled its way into the church sometimes, and it's, it's an abomination. Now, let's be honest, it's an abomination. That when somebody dies, well, they either just didn't have enough faith or somebody sinned, somebody did something wrong. I mean, there's got to be a reason why this terrible thing happened. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. Let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you what the Bible says. Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you ever been to a homecoming? And I, I don't mean, you know, I don't mean going to your high school and seeing all those classmates that you don't want to see or, you know, the relatives you get together with give us once a year because that's as much of them as you can stand. I'm talking about, you know, genuinely seeing somebody that you hadn't seen for a long time that you're so glad to see. It's just like, wow, that, that, that's got to be how God feels about this. You know, God's, God's seen Barbara struggle down here for all these years. He saw the things that happened to her and everything. And, and I, got a, I got a feeling that yesterday he went, okay, now, come on. Come on. In fact, Isaiah says, and some of you may not know this, but Isaiah 57, 1 through 2, you might want to look that up in your Bible and underline it. The righteous perish, and no one ponders it in his heart. Devout men are taken away, and no one understands the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. Wow. And some may go, well, what, you know, what about all, you know, didn't we, didn't we raise a bunch of money to build a fellowship hall up there in that church? And now she's gone, and what's going to happen to that church? I, that that might have been, a, that been a, a waste of money that's going on there. <clears throat> no one who gives a cup of cool water in the name of the Lord will ever lose their reward. First, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, I always quote it when I'm doing a funeral, says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that nothing you do for the Lord is in vain. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that church prospers and starts sending us money. You know, that, that, what, whatever. Start sending us missionaries or something. But, I mean, it, that, that fellowship hall may become a community center. I, or it may burn down tomorrow. All I know is we gave it, God blessed it, and there it is. How do you shake somebody who's... How do you shake somebody that death can't shake? How do you shake somebody that lets their donkey or their BMW go because the Lord said so? You know, how, how do you shake? You, you don't. You can't. And they frustrate the devil so much. Okay, I'm out of time. I didn't get as much time this service, Wayne, as I got last service. I got two slides real quickly for you. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Yes, that's talking cosmologically, but it's also talking about your life. Everything in your life that can be shaken will be. May not be today, may not be this week, may be five years from now, it may be 50 years from now, but it's going to be shaken. The question is, are you going to be shaken? And the only way to prevent being shaken with it, fallen with it, is to recognize the time of your visitation. It's a very special week. It's a week when we focus in on the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross for us. and God raised him from the dead on the third day. This is some powerful stuff going on this week. It's a week when, when, when people 
would be more open to hearing the message of the gospel maybe than at any other time. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you didn't just come today because somebody offered to buy your lunch if you came. You came because God had an appointment for you. This is the time of your visitation. If you're here and you do know the Lord, but you've been kind of in neutral, shall we say, for quite some time. You know, one of those who go, well, I've walked with the Lord, but all you've really been doing is living, still walking with the Lord. This is a time of visitation today. You'd like to change some stuff inside of you. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to uh, pray with people come forward? <clears throat> and if you need prayer, I know in a room this size there are some people whose lives are experiencing some severe shaking right now. And even if you've got Christ at the center, sometimes it helps to have somebody's hand to hold on to to kind of steady you. Yeah. If you need anything from the Lord, He's gracious, He's merciful. Altars open. If you need the Lord, if you don't know Him, He's gracious, He's merciful. I don't know if I'm ready to change yet or not. Well, don't change. Just give your life to Jesus and let Him change you. That works out better anyway. Altars open. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. You come.
Tracy Sugg is going to be with us, and those of you who've seen her, you need no encouragement, but those of you who haven't, let me just tell you, (laughs) to see that woman take that lump of clay and and turn it into the face of Christ and the way she does it, it, yeah, uh, it's going to be really strong. It it will move you, and it will move um, anybody you would invite. How about a little crazy obedience this week? Why don't you actually invite somebody to come to church on Easter Sunday and, you know, pick out just the most unlikely person. You know, that that neighbor who doesn't go to church and is really going to think that you're just crazy if you ask them to come. Do it. Do it. You don't talk to them anyway, you know. Go and invite them. They, they may come. And God, God could certainly do something. Certainly will do something. Raise your hand. I'll give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have something to shout about, so that we might be redeemed. May the peace of his presence make you unshakable in this week to come. And may you experience the reward of those who walk in obedience to him. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.